I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Pretty happy actually today. Yeah? Why is that? I wonder why. Uh, Oh. (laughs) Maybe, maybe the team that I follow had a really good win on the weekend. I feel like, I feel like I'm real close to you, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> I feel like I've set up a little bit differently today as well. I know, and I just, I took so long to come online because I had earrings on and it was just not working for me, so <laughs> I, I had to take the earrings off and uh, I've just looked at myself, uh, like how I look and I'm not thrilled. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, you were wearing a beanie before that you've taken. I was. Off. I'll put it on when it's the appropriate time. I will put it on. I also have um, a Western Bulldogs flag behind me. Pride flag, has, yeah. Yes, but it has pasta sauce all over it. I've just realised. <laughs> no disrespect. In fact, probably in my home, it's quite an honour, actually. <laughs> so. I do apologise, though, that um, you see the, the pasta sauce right there. I mean, uh, we all make choices in our life. Yeah, we And do. that's when you, you've, your family's made. Um... Exactly. Look, it just shows you that that flag has really been part of our lives. It's not just wasn't stuck in the corner. We, it was... It's been with us everywhere since Pride Round. Oh, all right. That's good. Um, um, should we should we shout out to the people that are on this saying that feel free to put in any questions you might have as you think of them. We'll try to get to them all as well. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. We are here and welcome to everybody uh, who has joined us. And hi, Ruby. Ruby, I used to work with Ruby and she's, saying she misses hearing my laugh well I miss you Ruby um thanks for joining us we are here for the play on review here on insta live and hopefully in your ears as well if you're podcasting this after the fact I'm Rana Hussein and with me every week as always is AFLW analyst Gemma Bastiani and we're here to break down this week's game how are you Gemma I'm stoked. It's been oh, the the round hasn't even finished yet. Let's no. remember that. But um, yeah, I'm pretty stoked. It's been a fascinating round of footy. How about you? I'm good. I I do feel like I've got a bit of whiplash with this round because the <laughs> it was such a late fixture, and then we still haven't finished it. We've got a Monday game now with Brisbane playing West Coast. So we're not even done. I don't know how you and Julia Montesano previewed this round at all, really. I mean, you just snuck it in, didn't you? 
Uh, we actually, secret, pulling the curtain back, um, we actually recorded two versions of the, the last two games. One based uh, on the first fixture and one based on the fixture that we thought would be announced. And um, I just edited in the games that had been announced. <laughs> don't give away your secrets. <laughs> well, hopefully this fixture won't change next weekend. I don't have to worry about that. No, that's right. We do have a fixture and I'm, I, gosh, I'm really hoping that we don't have to rejig it because we had a whole thing planned at Richmond, I will say, a midsummer themed game because it wasn't our home home game for Pride Round. And so Midsummer is our partner at the club and we decided to put on a whole game day and then we had to pull the plug. It was terrible. I had a whole playlist and everything. Anyway. <laughs> the playlist, <laughs> the most important part. <laughs> I know. That's all I cared about. I was like, I don't care if they play or not. I want my playlist on the, on the big speakers. Let's jump into it. We started off, this feels like so long ago to me, but it really wasn't. Uh, Geelong versus Western Bulldogs on Friday night down at Cadinia Park. We ended up with 139 to Western Bulldogs, 3624. It felt like a bit of an arm wrestle this game, at least for, you know, till half time and even um, three quarter time. And then Western Bulldogs running, running over Geelong. Um, I loved their pressure and, and they set up defensively so well. But I'm interested in your thoughts on this game and, Really, the Cats still have a problem going forward, don't they? Yeah, it's really unfortunate because I think for the first time this year, we've seen the Cats actually put in... It's not that they lack effort, but the the standard of play um, was more consistent for four quarters as compared to maybe one quarter um, in previous games. But they still, yeah, have that big problem going forward. And I think it, it's really uh, it was really stark against the dogs because um, the inside 50s, they only just lost them again. It was 23 to 28, which has been similar to previous weeks. But the fact that they were only able to take one mark inside 50 as compared to the dogs nine, I think that was a really obvious difference and kind of told the story for each club. And sorry if anyone can hear that. I forgot to turn the notifications off on my phone. And um, the, the thing was, it was Phoebe McWilliams. They need three of her because she's become kind of their main target up forward, especially with Kate Darby out and Michelle Cranston not quite having the season she would want to as of yet. But when it comes to marking up forward, she's always on three players and then she pushes up the field to become that linking player. And then there's no one to kick to up forward. So it's, it's just a bit frustrating because she took six marks. Only one of them was inside 50 because she was doing so much work up the ground. So that is kind of the biggest issue for the cats right now. What's the solution for them? I mean, they have to kind of get creative to make some other options inside 50, right? Yeah, and I think it's about solidifying the midfield so she doesn't need to come up the ground as much. So if she doesn't have to come up the ground as much and Cranston can kind of become more of a forward target while players like Olivia Barber are still developing, that makes the forward line a little bit harder for defences to deal with. But yeah, it's it's more the up the field on the wing, like who is going to be that marking outlet on the wing so Phoebe Williams doesn't have to be that player. Mm. I, I don't know that they have the answer to that yet unless you want to move a player like Maddie McMahon up onto the wing because she's got the height, but then you lose her strength in defence. So it's a lot of question marks right now for the Cats. Absolutely. Can we talk about Sarah Hartwig though? 
yes. who is just such a bright spot in this league of ours and in this game in particular. I loved her run. Um, you were tweeting about her. What did you want to say about Sarah Hartwig? Yeah, so for a few weeks she's shown this and I, I was particularly vocal about her performance last week against Carlton, the way she set up, her maturity. The thing that stood out differently in this game as compared to last week was the way she was pushing up the field that little bit more. She was finding the ball in congestion, able to break away from that congestion and then get the ball into space. And we know that with the marking ability of the dogs you want to have that space and them getting some of those uncontested marks down the field that's the way they want to play if Mm. she can be doing that on the halfback flank defensive wing kind of area of the ground that makes it so much easier for them to get into their style of play to then attack and the just her she's so smart but yeah the ability to just break away from that contest was really impressive hi julia hi julia's just joined my co-host for our preview (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh make sure if you're listening to this you also if you don't already tune in to julia and Gemma chatting for previewing every round so they kick it off and then we mark it and play on i don't know if that was that worked right <laughs> I was, it took me a second to understand what you were trying to do there <laughs> i thought it was sort of clever um good. Shout, shout out to josh hartwig on twitter too who is a legend. Sarah's dad, yeah. Yes, Sarah's dad, such a gem. Um, I'll get your three, two, ones for this game, Gemma. I think what ours are the same. Um, so Isabel Huntington, I've given one. Again, she just was so, so impressive, just kind of right across the field for me, kicked another goal. Um, and then two to Amy McDonald, who has been the bright spark for Geelong. She had a season high and a game high nine clearances for this game. And that's something I think coming into this season, no one would have predicted that Amy McDonald was going to be the, the clearance winner for Geelong. And then I've given three to Ellie Blackburn, who is Ellie Blackburn, had another 25 touches. She didn't kick a goal this week, but she had a crazy amount of inside 50s that I've forgotten now. So sorry about that. But she was delivering the ball forward a lot. How about you? Uh, I believe I had exactly the same, <laughs> right? Which is so impressive for me, by the way. It's like a little win when I get the same three, two, one. Blackburn. McDonald and Huntington for me. I love how Izzy Huntington continues to find space um, and really just create opportunities. Let's move on to GWS versus Gold Coast on Saturday at Blacktown. Uh, GWS finally got a win and at home 2618 to Gold Coast 128. Uh, I mean, there was a few things for me in this. It was so lovely to see Baird debut. And there was a beautiful picture on social media with her and her family who made it to to see her debut. Um, wet and scrappy game, especially in that first half. And I do like that the Suns showed a little bit in the second half and on the scoreboard finally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's I don't a bit, know. a bit bleak. It was a bit bleak in this game. Yeah. I sort of found myself tuning out a little bit. I mean, I was so happy GWS have had such a horror run up to this um, that I, I think there, there wasn't a person, a neutral person in sight who wasn't going for GWS um, or wasn't thrilled for their win anyway. But um, does feel like Elise Parker was the story of this game. Yeah, I think Elise Parker is a player that um, a lot of people were talking about last year and she was very rightly All-Australian 
But I think she st- she was named on the bench for the reason that she still had that level to go. There was that little bit of polish about her game that she hadn't reached yet. We kind of saw it um, late in the season after that Kathy Spark game where she was kind of completely played out of that game. Round four, I want to say, maybe earlier. Round four sounds right. Um, mm. She came back from that and just kind of took a game to a new level. And the thing that we're seeing this year is that the things that she needed to fix, she has fixed or improved. So she's averaging nearly 27 disposals a game this year, which is six more than she averaged for the season last year. Keep in mind that she did have that 11 disposal game against Kathy Sparks specifically. So that, will, that has brought her average down a little bit. But yeah, and then... Um, Sorry, I just got distracted by your family talking to you on the chat. Yeah, I saw that. Um, (laughs) It says, hi, mummy, which I assume is my daughter. Hello, darling. Um, But it's under my partner's name, which is really really creepy. (laughs) Like we've somehow veered into some weird bedroom (laughs) chat. Anyway, continue on. I feel a bit awkward being involved in this right now. Um, Elise Parker. (laughs) Elise Parker. Um, So the thing, the issue wasn't that she wasn't winning a lot of ball last year, which she was. The the fact that she's winning more ball this year, but also has increased her disposal efficiency average from 58% to 66% this year. That's Mm. the biggest thing for me because often and we'll talk about players doing this a little bit later in this conversation which you know exactly what I'm referring to Mm. but previously it was very much kind of get the ball kick forward hope that it comes off but now she's doing that little bit of break away from stoppage actually being a bit more considered with her disposal and it's working wonders I don't know why I couldn't say that word just then um and I think that is the thing that elevates her from a bench all Australian player to starting on the field type thing this year. So are you saying we went a bit early in our love for Elise Parker? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Because I think she was a brilliant player last year, but there were those things that needed to be fixed before she was, you know, Maddie Prasparkas or she was Kiara Bowers. But this year she's up there with them absolutely mm. every single week. Yeah, she's phenomenal and and formidable, I guess. Yeah. Gold Coast kicked a goal finally <laughs> I read mean, that's so cruel I it oh I my ha- I actually do want to have a conversation with you at some point about what is it that uh the AFL can do for these developing clubs I know it's a tried and tested story in the men's side of things but if there is a clear line in the sand in the AFLW between the newer clubs and the clubs who've had a bit more of experience bit more time together um you can kind of see them gelling on the field I guess St Kilda maybe is the antidote to that but I don't know like you see you see a team like Gold Coast and just worry a little bit right yeah it's it's an interesting one because we know that they were quite a good side last year we know that they have it in them to play better footy like they did in round one what's going wrong. It feels like within the team, they've kind of developed that defensive mindset. And so many players are just trying to get back and help in defense that once they do start to move the ball forward, there's just not the personnel there. They're constantly outnumbered. It comes back in and then it's just that endless cycle of having Mm. to defend, defend, defend and not getting any sort of reprieve. Um, The answer... 
I mean, the answer would be having Jackie Austin back in the side so Jamie Stanton can play a bit more freely, uh, but that's not happening anytime soon. But I think the answer is forcing the forwards to maintain their structure. So kind of the opposite of what the Dogs did last week against Carlton. We saw mm. the Dogs, their defenders weren't weren't willing to get sucked up into the contest and kept their structure outside of that 50 and were able to use the ball a lot better. I think we need the opposite for Gold Coast. I think we need some of their forwards to maintain their structure rather than be sucked up into the contest. And I think that comes with maturity as well. They are quite a young side. I know they have quite a bit of experience there, but the bulk of their side is quite young, quite inexperienced. Mm. It's just going to take time. That structural issue is what, what is causing them grief. And then their forward entries because they're constantly under pressure. Their forward entries are quite shallow and because of that, it's so much easier to turn over and become damaging the other way. So you, you feel for players like Jay Prajali and Lauren Ahrens who are just constantly mm. under siege in defence, but they're also holding up their end of the bargain. Like they only conceded 18 points in this game. Mm. You know, the the Brisbane game was a different story, but in round one, I mean, they were able to score a lot more themselves. So I think, yeah, it's just about, I, I think what they're going to come out and have weeks like they did in round one, and they're going to come out and have weeks like they did this week. It's just going to be like that until they develop that a bit. Mm. So not all bad news, but just not a great game. The Gold Coast, I guess, is what we're saying. Um I felt like there was a wide range of con- contributors for GWS, um, but I went with Parker for three, Beeson two, who I think really works well with Parker. Like I do love to see them together as a bit of a duo and then Drennan for one. Who did you have? I had exactly the same. Um, we got a note as well. Ali Drennan has come into this side and absolutely held up her end of the bargain, especially with Yorsen out of the side. She laid 12 tackles in this game and had, I think, nine clearances. Like, she is doing the work in that midfield. Mm. You mentioned Drennan in the past as well, and you've picked her up before as kind of doing that grunt work um, for GWS, and I think she's really Gold exciting Coast. to Sorry, Gold Coast. Um, I think she's really exciting and I feel like if Gold Coast fans can just like focus on her and... <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Focus focus on her, focus on Progelli, focus on Ahrens and even Madison Levi. I liked what she did this week. So there are bright spots. It's just about putting them together and they're just a couple of steps away from that. I feel like my Tigers are a very similar story, but we'll get there. (laughs) Um, Let's go to St Kilda versus Carlton on Saturday in Moorabbin. St Kilda 2-4-16 to Carlton 6-4-40. Finally a win for the Blues as well. A lot of happy people. I feel like all my friends go for Carlton. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, everyone goes for Carlton. Yeah, it's... I feel like maybe that's the Darcy Messier factor. I don't know. They just seem like a cool team to me. I don't know. Like you just want to hang out with them. That's the kind of vibe I get from the place. Look at you cringing at me. I'm just so tired looking at them. Just like I don't have the energy to spend time with you people. Um, look, we had a few ins. Lelouifi was back amongst a few others. I felt like the younger players stood up this week for me um, and it was a bit of a team effort from Carlton. Um, And you mentioned last week, um, sorry, you've given us talking points and I'm totally disregarding them and just telling you what I I think. think. 
No, I think you're going to actually get to the talking point via this chat. So I'm waiting for it. Yeah, good. You talked about last week how against North Melbourne, the Saints kind of left their game plan and just focused on shutting down North Melbourne. And I feel like they did that a little bit again Mm. this week. Um, And I would have loved to have just seen more attack from St Kilda. Um, And it was... In the end, for me, it was like handball game versus short kick and mark game. And one clearly stood up. But tell me what you think. Yeah, and I think Carlton Carlton had a bit more of that outside run. They had Gab Pound and um, Lalawifi giving them that little bit of a spark out of defence. But I think the thing that really changes the way Carlton plays, and this people may listen to me say this and be like you're an idiot but I think Lucy McAvoy changes the way Carlton operates on the field and within a game I think she gives them so much more flexibility and versatility within a game to move players around um, and just because she can play on all lines that then if you need Vessio up around the ball you have a pretty good replacement to move into the forward line or if you need the support um in the midfield, you can put her in there. She's a strong body. She just changes the way they play. And you saw Maddie Prasparkas just have a massive mm. spark in this game and play really, really well. I, I love Lucy McAvoy. And she may not always get a lot of the ball, but she always uses it really well. So she had eight touches in this game, but she used it at 100%. So she spent a bit of time down back getting some rebound 50s. She spent a bit of time in the middle. I don't know if I wrote down how many clearances she had, one or two. And then she spent some time forward allowing players to move around. And she just does what other players aren't able to do for them right now. And it's I think that changed the way Carlton, Carlton's mindset in this game completely changed. I loved it. I did love seeing a more free Darcy Vessio and kind of just back to a bit more back to that role of contributing and and helping out the team rather than feeling like she has to carry some kind of load. Um, And I wanted to, oh yeah, I had a question. So someone from um, a friend of mine who lives in America loves AFLW and was asking why in this game do we count disposals? Like that seems like a, a random stat to count considering it doesn't always relate to how impactful that person was on the game. So you could have a player who has not that many disposals, but you might say was had a really impactful game. So I wanted to ask you what your thoughts are on that and why is that the first thing that we talk about? Or is that just laymen that do that? This is um, a conversation I could have for over an hour because... (laughs) I agree. I think that we often put too much in disposals on their own. I think disposals in conjunction with other things is relevant. And and this is the whole thing that I, this is what I stand for, is the whole like, you know, stats on their own don't tell the story. But if you tell stats in context, then it does tell the story. Um, So hence why I said, McAvoy, eight disposals, but at 100% efficiency. So you understood Mm. when she got the ball, she was able to do the right thing with it. I think disposals on their own, you know, can tell you how much around the ball someone's been. But I think disposals are far more interesting in the context of other things they've done. 
but you know, uh, I guess maybe some fans that are watching now can tell us what they think about disposals. Mm, Lars is saying this is a huge thing in both AFLW and AFLM. I agree. I think we, we often seem to be talking about disposals, but it's like I'd rather hear almost, you know, I don't know, contested possessions or um, yeah. tackles even, yeah. pressure points even. Yeah. So I think that's why I, now it's, it's awkward because I've probably done it without realising, but generally I won't give you a disposal count without another stat to go with it mm. because yeah like Elise yeah, Parker had had he's averaging 27 disposals but the important thing is that she's going at 66 percent efficiency with him so you know like how much is she getting ball the ball but also how much is she doing with it so generally that's my mindset but I think it's quite easy to look at a stat sheet and just be like oh they had the ball a lot therefore they were good it's a big yeah yeah Michael is asking does the player ranking in AFLM take this into account Yes. Oh, that's a whole confusing thing. Yes, Ooh. but if it's a if it's not an effective disposal, I think you get negative points maybe. I don't know the actual math of it all, but I think it does, but only if it's used well. I've totally opened a can of worms and we should have a separate episode for this because I think it's fascinating and um, this is why you're the best in the business. Is what I think. Michael saying need more data, champion data in there, doing more. I feel like you will always agree with more data, Gemma. Oh, I mean, I have. I don't even have as much as I would like to have. I know there are people with more that I'm jealous of. <laughs> well, we should try and get and like AFLW alone needs more data. But anyway, we haven't finished it, talking about this game. It all exists. We just don't have access to it. Mal is saying, yes, a whole episode about stats analysis would be awesome. And Loz is saying we can call, we call it the Rioli factor. I get that because I understand the Richmond and only Richmond. <laughs> the player I always reference in the men's game when I have this conversation is Gary Rowan. When he was ah, playing at the Swans, Gary yeah. Rowan would very rarely get many disposals, but what he did without the ball was very, very important to the way the team played. And everyone would always knock Gary Rowan for only getting eight touches. But it's like, it's not the touches that are important when it comes to his game. It's what he, he's doing without it that's really important and it would frustrate the hell out of me. Um, yeah, so yeah, I get I it, everyone. I agree. And, you know, in a team sport, I feel like that should be given more credit, especially because we talk about, you know, there's no individual medals in um, in team sport in AFL, but clearly we, we only look at who's got the ball. Anyway, let's move on. We haven't spoken about Kate Shearlaw and um, we need to because she was incredible again. Um, you've got here that she's playing like a new player. What did you yeah. see with Kate Shearlaw? Yeah, I think she's playing with a lot more confidence than we we saw last year or when she was at Carlton. It's like she... Uh, and. I don't know her mindset because I haven't spoken to her about it, but it's almost like she finally feels like she belongs there and is playing like mm. she belongs. And it's so great to watch. So she's had eight marks in the last two weeks, which is I think the fourth most in AFLW history. So 13 wow. marks is the most that's ever been taken in AFLW. It was Karen Harrington against Adelaide last year, maybe. I can't remember now, but 13 is the most. And that's like 
a lot, but she's taken eight in the past two weeks, which is huge. Like that's really big and that's what you want from her. And when she's not taking the mark, she's bringing it to ground. She very rarely concedes a contested mark. Um, Mm. She's just covering the ground really really well. She's presenting really well. The attack at the ball is really well. And then this week she was rewarded with a goal as well. She was Mm. able to kick accurately with that set shot. So I love watching her play at the moment. I think she is has got to be one of the most fun players to watch this year just because, yeah, she's playing like she finally belongs when we know that she belonged, but she feels that now, maybe. I'll ask totally, her. Totally agree. I'd love to ask her what's changed for her, if anything's shifted, because yeah, you're right. She, I love watching her play now. Um, I always kind of look for her now and it's not hard to because she seems to be in and around the ball all the time. So, um, yeah, she's having a great season so far. Love yeah. to get, love to have a chat with her. Um, let's get your three, two ones. I had Prisparkas, Patrikios, and O'Day. Did you yes. want to tell me something about O'Day? Because I, I was mulling on whether oh, to yes. give her one, one point, but you had, you had something you wanted to say. I was going to mention her when I was talking about McAvoy. Um, O'Day had a really interesting role this week. She didn't really play in the midfield as such. She kind of just played at the end that the wind was going to. So in the first and third quarters, I think it was, she was playing in defense. And in the, or maybe the other way around, in the second and fourth, she was playing up forward. So it was almost like she was the extra back and then she was the extra forward when they had the wind to use it more. So it was a really mm. interesting choice. And I don't think they could have done that if McAvoy wasn't in the team. So uh, O'Day okay. was able to impact the game quite differently. And it was definitely her best match for the Blues. And she kicked a goal and it was mm. great to watch her play. But it was just a fascinating role that she had. Definitely. I know. And like without understanding all of that, I just noticed her more and noticed that she was having a, a much better game than she has in the last two rounds and I wondered if they were doing something very different with her so that was very insightful thank you Gemma but your three two one a little bit different uh almost completely different um <laughs> I've given the one vote to Kate Sheila I wanted to give her votes last week couldn't fit her in the fact that she's done it two weeks in a row I think is deserving of it I've given two to Maddie Prasparkas because again I think she's finally been able to get to that form we know she can have um no, we sh- she can be in, sorry. Given three to Grace Egan, who we haven't really spoken about today, but I think she was best on ground. She led the um, led the game for clearances, I think touches. She was able to get the ball forward a lot more. I should have written these stats down. I'm sorry, everyone. Just going off the top of my head here. But I think her impact on the game was huge, and I think it was because Prasparkas was up and about, McAvoy was in the side, O'Day mm. was up and about. I think she feeds off that energy and she was able to have a really good game. So, yeah. It is so nice to see Prasparkas coming back to form. I don't know if it was, it's form or – is it form or is it that, that just everything kind of went right? I think her? it's support. Like, yeah. She's one player. You can only do so much with three players hanging off you all the time. And I know mm. she cops a bit off the ball too, no matter who mm. they're playing. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the support, like O'Day is there, Loins is there, but when the others are playing well, it is a little bit less attention on her solely and she's able to do a bit more. On Carlton, I, like I had them in the danger zone um, pre-season and thought that they'd really come out firing and they haven't. And this game was good, but 
I don't know that it really convinced me either. So I don't, I don't know what's coming next for them. I mean, who are they? I can't remember who they're playing next week, but oh, they're playing Richmond. Um, yeah, they are. So they should. Lawrence sh- was just mentioned. <laughs> oh yes, okay. Grace Loz is saying Grace Egan, like Grace Campbell. I love them and I'm happy for them. But darn you, Richmond. I know. I know. Look, I suppose I can rack up some percentage. I hope, <laughs> but maybe. Um, we'll see. Um, I mean, it could be a danger game for Carlton. Given the way Richmond played today, Absolutely. I mean, they, I, I've got to be honest. They both seem to have the same issue, um, so we'll see who can be worse up forward next next week. <laughs> that is a great way to preview that game. Um, there you go, Julia. You, <laughs> your job's done for you. Um, let's keep moving. Um, oh, this game. We should just have set aside a whole episode for this game. Melbourne versus North Melbourne, Saturday night at Casey Fields. It was a cracker. Melbourne beat North Melbourne 9660 to 8351. Oh, my gosh. It was um, game of the round. Oh, yes. Thank you, Gemma, for wearing the appropriate paraphernalia. I will also, for the duration of this chat, put on... I feel like everyone's going to think we're going to be really biased now, but um, yeah, we're celebrating a big win. There's there's an amount of celebration that needs to be happening. Oh God, this is such a bad look, a beanie on top of a hijab, but um, we're just getting, (laughs) it's a new fashion. (laughs) Um, My head is nice and toasty though. (laughs) Um, Totally the game of the round. One of the best performances we've seen in the AFLW. I know on Twitter you cited... Adelaide's grand final in 2019 and one other game remind me Melbourne against Fremantle in round one 2019 which was famously Kiara Bauer's debut game and she kicked a very important goal late in the game to win it and that was also at Casey Fields um it was devastating and you can hear me do a whole podcast about that game complaining (laughs) about Melbourne's loss if you want to find that hit me up I mean the nice thing about this game was that it just showed us and a lot of people who I think because of lockdown were tuning in when potentially they wouldn't have what AFLW can look like and the heights of AFLW. And it was so yeah. nice to see new people watching this game and talking about how much they loved it on social media, including, I mean, not that they're new to it, but they felt compelled to tweet both Patrick Dangerfield and Max Gorn. Um, Max gone tweeting, Pax men can play, which I would love to see on a T-shirt, personally. Um, you so much? <laughs> I think so. Why not? Pax men can play is just is tr- both true and a, just a great turn of phrase. Um, for me, it was Melbourne's speed and pressure that just was beautiful to watch and I, I loved every minute of this game. There was a bit of back and forth. Um I actually wanted to ask you, Melbourne seemed to control the ball. Um, did that show up in uncontested possessions or contested possessions? And they seemed cleaner in inside 50. Did that show up in the stats? Yeah, so inside 50, um, I think we're finally seeing, while I look for the uncontested possession uh, v. contested possession stats, 
Um, yeah, Melbourne won the uncontested possession to 109 to 76, and they also won contested 113 to 108. So yeah, you're right in saying that Melbourne controlled the ball. Absolutely. Um, and I think that was really beneficial going forward. They were able to be a bit cleaner going forward. And we're finally seeing, um, Melbourne have a stacked forward line, but it hasn't really been able to kind of come together very much in the past because of injury or form, things like that, or players have had to play in different positions like Zanka needing to ruck last year. So we're finally seeing it come together. Jackie Parry, who I adore, um, I chose her as my player to watch for Melbourne preseason because I knew she had the potential to really tear a season apart when she was fit. She had a, a hamstring, I think, injury last year that meant she only played two games. But this season, she's been involved in everything. She's kind of taken on that Shelley Scott role of leading up outside of 50, taking those contested marks and then getting the ball inside 50. She spent a lot more time kind of around the goal square in this one, which I think is more what Melbourne wanted her to play is kind of that player out of the square. And Mm. she kicked three goals, took four marks and had six tackles. Um, She's quite tall as well. She's not too much shorter than Tegan Mm. Cunningham. So, but she doesn't look that big lanky type of player. She's very good on ground level, good at the pressure. So I love that. Tegan Cunningham, she's absolutely in the form of 2019 again, which is exciting. She kicked two goals as well. She's now kicked, I want to say, five for the season. She had 12 touches and five score involvements involved in that, which is massive for a big key forward. Kate Hoare, again, the way she runs in and, and scares opponents is really big. She kicked a goal, had 15 touches and had 202 metres gained. So a lot of movement forward and then the other one that I want to mention is Shelly Scott who I love and everyone knows this um she kicked two goals and had three marks so even being quiet in terms of actually possessing the ball she went back and Mm. kicked two goals and was taking marks which was really important so seeing Melbourne's forward line actually function all together and then you know there's players like Karen Paxman who go forward and kick a goal or there's Alyssa Bannon who's involved in a lot of it but maybe not hitting the scoreboard herself so like there's so Eden Zank is another one so there's so many dangerous players that it can be so hard to stop Melbourne's forward line now because they're all in form and they're all fit right now yeah it it looked a bit terrifying to me there was just a moment where I thought oh my gosh this this team is on fire and I can't wait to get to your three to one because there were so many to pick from but before we do I want to talk about Jazzy Garner because she really was the one that stood up for the Western Bulldogs um and particularly in that third quarter resurgence for the Ruse what did you see with Garner? Yeah, so I love Jasmine Garner, as I've said about Shelley Scott, and I've probably mentioned her in every version of this we've done so far. Yeah, you have. <laughs> but it's for good reason, because I think she is the per- the ideal player. She can do anything, you can use her in any way, and she'll play that role that you need her to play. So in the first half, we kind of saw her in the forward line mostly. We didn't see her up around the ball very much. She had six disposals, five tackles, and had a goal in that first half. In the second half, she moved more into the midfield, but was playing more of that kind of hybrid midfield forward role. So she ended the game with 15 disposals, 12 tackles. So the defensive side of her game was there. She had two contested marks, two inside 50s, had three clearances and kicked two goals. So there's everything you want from a player in that. She was marking Mm. the ball. She was tackling. She was getting clearances. She was going forward and kicking goals. She was doing it all. And I think she, her impact on that third quarter in particular, where the, um, the ruse did come back 
was massive. And it's worth noting, Melbourne have kicked 51% of their score this year in second quarters. And I believe, uh, I'm going to have to double check, but Swamp mentioned that um, North Melbourne have been, uh, they haven't con- had it until this game, hadn't conceded a goal in the th- score in the third quarter this year yet. And they were able to wow. limit Melbourne to one goal in the third quarter after having kicked six in the fir- in the second. So that kind of play within a, within a game was really interesting too. So it was almost mm. like Jasmine Garner knew that that third quarter was North Melbourne's and that's when she really kind of put the afterburners on. Yeah. Did North... What did North Melbourne take away from this? Like, did they... It's hard to know, but... Were Melbourne just better? I think they take away from this one that they only lost by nine points, even though they conceded six goals in one quarter, which mm. is pretty significant. Um, two, I think we've we've got to at this point acknowledge that Jasmine Garner is more useful around the ball and up in the midfield than she is just staying at home in the forward line. And when you've got a forward line that North Melbourne have, there's no reason to leave her in the forward line. Mm. She needs to be up around the ball and bringing it forward more than just sitting there waiting for it to come in. It's funny because it it felt like it was North Melbourne's midfield up against Melbourne's forward line and it just obviously Melbourne creamed them (laughs) in the end. (laughs) probably a better way for me to say that um, <laughs> but it was like it was just uh I just had a smile on my face watching that game although it was oh, a little bit like it was, it was tense it was stressful yeah. especially for demons fans um but let's get to your three two one because like I said before it was so hard to pick this because there's so many versions of this you could do yeah ours are completely different for this one I think it's the only one and I haven't actually yes. told you who I'm voting for. Um, no, so one to Emma Carney. So she led the led the field for clearances. And when mm. the ruse was surging in the third quarter, I think she was really important to that because it was all about getting the clearance and the quick entry forward. Because again, Melbourne still don't have that tall back line yet. Um, so mm. I think she was trying to make the most of that. Um, two, I've given Jasmine Garner because of all the things I've just said. And three to actually Tyler Hanks because just um. quietly, Tyler Hanks had 22 disposals, nine tackles, three inside 50s and seven clearances. And she's so- the smallest player on the field. <laughs> so funny because I was talking about Tyler Hanks the whole game and just like, oh, she's so good. Oh, she's like, <laughs> I don't know why I didn't give her any votes. But yes, you're absolutely right. She and she does go onto the radar a little bit, I reckon. Yeah. Um, I had Goldrick one vote mainly for the reason that she doesn't get the stats, but she clearly has an impact on the game, and I just love watching her play. I think she had ten intercepts in this game, off the top oh, of my head. Yeah, there you go. Outrageous. So she does have the stats too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she just, you know, she just seemed to be everywhere for me. Paxman too, because she's just stellar and in general, um, and Parry three of everything we've spoken about. Um, I am taking my demons beanie off now, mainly because my head is getting hot. But uh, yeah, my neck was getting hot too. <laughs> but we've paid appropriate tribute to the D's <laughs> um, who are undefeated. Um, 
<laughs> Let's move on to the other blockbuster game, which was Adelaide versus Fremantle, which in the end wasn't as exciting as we probably all hoped it would be. Um, certainly on the scoreboard, Adelaide went down to Fremantle 1713 to 7143. Fremantle uh, are just absolutely frightening. And I always call them frightening, but that is the, the term that comes to mind when I think of Frio. They are so imposing and threatening and they really made a statement in this game. This is their 10th straight win for Fremantle. What I mean... What were your expectations versus what you saw happen? So, yeah. So, them having the 10th straight wins is the longest winning streak in AFLW history. Um, they No team has had more than eight prior, which North Melbourne had until last night. Um, Frio, I described it in the preview as a, as a game of whack-a-mole where you, if you stop one, there's others that pop up. But... <laughs> Which is true and exactly kind of what happened because you saw the number of different goal kickers that they had, how many players could actually play that outside running game. You know, there's so much to like about it. But I think the thing that really stood out, and this is similar to Jasmine Garner in terms of me talking about them all the time, but Kiara Bowers stood out because I think her two-way running is the best in the competition. There's no one that comes close to her. So we talk about her contested game. We talk about her tackling and all that sort of stuff because she's very well known for it. But the thing is, she wins a lot of ball as well. And she had not only the equal most disposals on the ground, but she also had the most tackles on the ground. So 23 disposals, 13 tackles. And then she also had three inside 50, so she was getting the ball forward. She also had six clearances, so she was getting it out to runners, which Freo loved to get it into the hands of Steph Kane or Ebony Antonio on the outside. She brings so many of her teammates into the game, but also shows the way Freo plays, as in she leads the way in terms of you do what I do. This is the standard that we play at. And it's just a joy to watch and it must be a joy to coach. And it's, I love her so much. (laughs) Great question from Mel. How do you stop turbo and how is it impossible? I don't know what that second half means, but how do you stop it? I think it's not so much how do you stop her, but how do you match her work rate? Because if you can match her work rate, then you can limit the way she can use the ball on the outside because she's so consistent getting from contest to contest. So I'd love to watch her go head-to-head with Britt Benici because Britt Benici's Mm. work rate or Karen Paxman because Paxman's work rate is really high. That's the only way to limit her impact is to maybe let her have her way in the the contest. But once once she's gone from that section of the game – how do you stop her from being damaging with her disposal? Because you'll notice she doesn't just get the tackles. She pops straight back up and is on the outside next to receive the next clearance from Hayley Miller or someone like that. So that's the only way you can curb her game. You can't stop her, but you can curb her that way. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Just explain something to me. I feel like everybody listening already knows this, but as we know, this podcast is really a education for me. So um, <laughs> when you say two-way running, what exactly do you mean by that? Attack and defense. So, um, you know, if you're if you're running one way, it usually means you're trying to get the ball and get the glory of kicking the goal and not willing to do the work when you don't have the ball. Ah, uh, okay. Gotcha. I thought that's what it meant. I just yeah, to check. that's okay. <laughs> questions, questions are welcome. <laughs> Last week we talked about, or I think it might have been the first week actually, we talked about the Aaron Phillips factor and uh, whether Adelaide lifts because they've got Aaron Phillips on the playing, on the field. But I don't know. This time it made me think, this game made me wonder, is it the Aaron Phillips factor or is it Phillips with Randall who was missing? And I just seemed like she wasn't, you know, firing on all cylinders. I see you, Michael. Okay. I need to explain this. Just take like sidebar. Michael has said, so you need to ask about Shadows 2 Runner, which is a inside joke for us because I really struggled for a long time with the concept of shadows and it took me a while to get my head around (laughs) how shadows work (laughs) and while sure I'm smart in some ways there are there are certain gaps in my knowledge that um (laughs) will haunt me and that is one of them i understand shadows now but it it took me well into my adulthood to really get my head around it anyway (laughs) this is who you're dealing with my face hurts from laughing (laughs) erin phillips without randall as good (laughs) so i think it's a combination of no randall along with how the Dockers played Phillips. So I think it's really easy to get sucked into the idea of having a run with player when Phillips goes into the midfield because she Mm. is so powerful. But what the Dockers did was they they backed themselves in when she was in the midfield. They knew that they had the strength. I mean, obviously when you've got Kiara Bowers and Hayley Miller on the ball, you know, you're going to be pretty right. But they backed themselves in in the midfield and didn't, send someone to her but when she was playing forward they put their best key defender best one-on-one defender Janelle Cuthbertson directly on Phillips and she she wore her very really closely when she was forward so Phillips wasn't able to have the impact in the middle just because of the power of the Fremantle midfield and then when she Mm. went forward she really struggled to get involved in the game because she couldn't get the sort of strong disposal that we know that she can because Cuthbertson played her so well. And those couple of moments where Phillips did get marks in the forward line, Mm. um, it wasn't Cuthbertson that was on her. So I think that is a real testament to what Cuthbertson was able to do. I think the other thing is that no Chelsea Randall meant that they lost a little bit of that kind of run from that half-forward flank forward that they've been using her for. they also lost that delivery forward. So last mm. week, I think Chelsea Randall had five inside 50s and it's the way she brings the ball inside 50 that's really great. And 
they lost that and they tried to replace it. And I think Rochelle Martin did a pretty good job. A couple of players that tried to do that, but there's no one that's quite at Chelsea Randall's level and it just didn't quite work as well. It's worth noting as well, though, they had the same number of scoring shots and, um, mm. you know, Adelaide just weren't able to convert, which is similar to their round one game last year. Yeah, they there was a bit of, a few accuracy issues, but also just, yeah, just conversion. Um, I was so happy that um, Freya won, mainly for Trent Cooper, who is now my personal friend. <laughs> and by my personal friend, I mean follows me on social media. <laughs> but I'm going to take it. And I was like, yay. Yeah, so um, it's worth mentioning, actually, since um, round one 2019 when he took over as coach and, interestingly, Kiara Bowers debuted that same game. We've already talked about that game. Um, Fremantle have lost one game out of WA and they've lost two games overall. And one of those games was against Adelaide in round four 2019. The other game was that prelim final against Carlton in 2019. Um, So they've played six games out of WA in that time. They've lost one and won five. So there's a lot of people that kind of come and say, you know, oh, Freo aren't that good because they can't win away from home or they've had easy opponents. They've beaten everyone that has come, um, that they've had to come up against except for those two teams two years ago. And they've also won most games on the road. The only team that's um, got a better record on the road like out of state is Carlton who have won three games interstate since uh, the start of 2019, but they've only played three. So, you know, give Fremantle a bit of credit. And I think I said that on the preview as well. was like, let's Mm. give Fremantle some credit. They deserve it. And this game out of any game should tell you that they deserve it. They're well coached. They're well drilled. They have leaders on the field. They are the team to beat. And I'm a Melbourne supporter and Melbourne won on the weekend. So There you go. You heard it here. Gemma Bastiani says they are the team to beat. I mean, you're right. And we've, we've talked about in previous episodes that there are teams that haven't been fully tested yet, but you do feel like this game was a good test for Freo to see really what they came up with and they clearly had the goods similar to Melbourne and North Melbourne. I mean, they both teams were fairly good, but Melbourne really stood up. And like you said, they had a, a full side fielded a full side. So it's been interesting this round to see what some of those top sides are bringing. And it's, it's scary. I mean, the Antonios are formidable. <laughs> I love yes. watching them play, but they are scary. <laughs> Frightening. Yes, they are. <laughs> yeah. Um, on field. I'm sure they're lovely off field. Um, and I did think Martin though, had a really interesting game. Um, and she is a bit of a pocket rocket. I loved watching yeah. her play. So she played just her second game for the Crows. It was her first game as a listed player. So if you recall round one last year, Adelaide had so many injuries that they had to use her off their injury replacement list. She played in that Brisbane game that Adelaide lost. But she kind of showed a bit, hence why she got picked up in the draft, um, which was why, actually, interestingly, only one player on Adelaide's list prior to this season starting had not debuted because everyone they got through the draft had already played. Anyway, Ah. that's just off random thing. But yeah, Yeah. Adelaide used her really well and I really liked the way she kind of 
ran through packs. She wanted to be that kind mm. of breakaway player as compared to maybe a Marinoff or an Antonio Antonio Hatchard who um, kind of used more of their physical strength to break away from a stoppage. I liked that that pro- provided a bit of a difference to the stoppages for them. Mm. She might, there's a bit of Monconti about her for me. Just yeah, yeah. Uh, similar similar style. Let's get your 3-2-1. I had Bowers for three votes, um, most tackles and possessions on the ground, um, and we talked about her two-way running. Hatton <laughs> two and Duffy one because I just thought a lovely game from her. What did you have? Yeah, so obviously Kiara Bowers was best on ground. Um I've given two to Ebony Marinoff because I think she does some really nice things um, that kept Adelaide kind of surging in that last quarter in particular. So in the last quarter, Adelaide kicked one goal too. Um, I think she created quite a bit of that. Um, And then Janelle Cuthbertson, I've given one because I think her role on Erin Phillips was massive in the context of the game. Mm, Absolutely. Absolutely. Last game for our episode, but not last game of the round. Um, we're going to head now to Richmond versus Collingwood at Pump Road Oval. Richmond ended up 4-7-31 to Collingwood 7-6-48. Look, I actually, this game was both frustrating but hopeful for Richmond <laughs> and for Richmond fans, I think. And I, I think we spent the first three quarters just kind of going, what? is going on here what are they doing where's the structure uh there doesn't seem to be much connection happening within the team and what is going on in front of goals but then that last quarter really showed us what they're made of but also I think they put uh, clearly were great with their pressure they actually thinking back on it they played a great game but they just aren't converting and that forward line something needs to change or I don't know tell me Gemma <laughs> what is going on with Richmond I, it was frustrating to watch and I clearly don't go for Richmond um <laughs> it it felt almost like Richmond should have won this game it felt like Richmond had a lot more control of this game particularly after the first quarter but they they seem to want to play a game style that isn't conducive to the players they've got on the field or it doesn't make the most of the players they've got on the field so we talked mm previously about you know they've got all those big key marking forwards you know Ellie McKenzie is now in the middle they've got more support Sarah Hosking to deliver it to them they just haven't quite been delivering it the way that they can maximize the way those big key forwards play and then and and it felt like it was just that one tweak after the Melbourne game that was just that one step away from really pressuring a team and, and potentially getting that first win and then in this game it was almost like they wanted to clear out their forward line and get the space off the at the back and use runners to kick goals almost. And it just yeah. meant that, you know, Katie Brennan was up around the ball again, which seemed like the opposite of the encouraging direction they'd gone in. Sabrina Frederick spent a lot more time in the ruck than she had in previous weeks. Courtney Wakefield was probably the only one that spent a lot of time forward out of their big three talls. Well, she's then, the only one that really kicks any goals for Richmond as well. That is also true. Um, <laughs> but it just seemed really odd. And then you think about the fact that, and, and I talked about this in terms of the Brisbane game as well, because they have such a well-drilled defensive line. Collingwood are the same. They've got that really well-drilled defensive line with a lot of improving young players in it too. 
And it just seemed like they did everything right and then they just dump kicked it forward and turned it over and it was like, oh, that didn't work. Let's keep trying that until maybe it comes off. It was just like, it was so strange because they had control in that final quarter and they should have won. It's weird because I was even, and I know um, I go for Richmond and I work at Richmond, so I'm going to look at them more closely, but I couldn't help but not watch what Richmond was doing because it didn't feel like a game that Collingwood was winning. It felt like a game that Richmond was losing. And I just kept looking at what it is that they were doing and where they should be shifting things. Um, Mal's asking, does the new coach have something to do with some of those changes? And is he just kind of trying out a few different things? I mean, potentially, but it doesn't seem like what they were trying to do in the first two rounds of footy. Like, it, it, that doesn't seem the way they played against Melbourne. Mm, no. So, yeah. I don't... It, uh, mm. It's funny that you say Collingwood was well-drilled because that's literally what I had written down. I mean, if we could talk about some bright spots for Richmond, I felt like Tessa Lady had a really great debut um, and showed some promise considering she's coming from a different sport and hasn't really had a lot of footy... In, like she hasn't played a lot of footy really. Um, she hasn't so played she, any footy. She hasn't played any footy. Um, so she, I thought she did pretty well and looked to move around fairly well. And I guess we see that with Montu being a basketballer. Um, but Ali McKenzie, clearly the bright spot for Richmond. And just we've mentioned her, I think, every every episode as well, and I certainly do. But, um, oh, it was so nice to see her do her thing and get a goal and show people just how good she can be. Sorry, two goals, yes. Um, And um, you tweeted that she will be getting a Rising Star nomination. I would be shocked if she didn't get one this week. After, you know, I mean, I predicted Jess Fitzgerald's last week, which is the most obvious thing on the planet. It should absolutely go to Ali McKenzie. I think we saw like a bit of what she could do in the first few rounds and she's shown a lot of strength around the ball and all that sort of stuff. But we saw more broadly what she can do this this week in terms of the composure that she has that I think a lot of her senior teammates lacked in this game. The, the ability to run onto the ball, cleanly pick it up and have, again, the composure to keep going and kick the goal. She can take marks on a lead. She's a big-bodied mid who can go forward, kind of like Kyrie Antonio, and have that impact, although she's quite a bit tall in Kyrie Antonio. But, again, the word composure just constantly mm. comes to mind with her because – and, and maybe it's because of the context of what we were seeing, players that should have been playing like that, um, not quite. Mm. But the way she was so cool, calm, and collected – Every time she got near the ball, she knew what she needed to do. She knew how she was going to do it. She has the skill to back it up. I, She's a superstar and it's just a joy to watch her play. Yeah, there were some unhelpful turnovers there and some senior players that maybe, you know, we expect a bit more from, which was weird to see. But, you know, Ali McKenzie, credit to her. She's she's, she's such a delight to watch. Um Let's talk about Collingwood because they did win this game. <laughs> and, the, and look, they were they were they were their kind of classy selves as they've shown us so far this season. <laughs> you were giggling. I, I thought you were just gonna say they were there. <laughs> they were there. I mean it, honestly though, it felt like and even listening to the commentary, the commentary 
was around what is Richmond not doing and how close they are but not converting. Like, it really felt like this was Richmond's game an opportunity to win, which is weird because I don't know that I thought that that was going to be the case going into this game. I really thought, um, you know, like I obviously hoped for a Richmond win, but really in my heart of hearts thought, yeah, this is Collingwood's. But watching them play, it was like, yeah, no, there's something here, but there's a connectivity that isn't. And I wonder as well with Richmond if – being in lockdown for most of last year, they didn't get to hang around each other. They are a newish team and, and have new people in the side as well. Then I didn't have a coach for a long time. These are not excuses, but I can just see there's, there are other factors here. No, you're shaking your head at me. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm shaking my head at the fact they didn't have a coach until two weeks into the preseason. I mean, it's, a bit, it's you know, regardless of why that happened, that's, obviously going to have an impact on a side that really needed to come together as soon as possible. And, you know, what, what, what could happen? Like, I mean, we're, shot, we're three rounds in and now we're seeing the, the upside of the Richmond side. So anyway, now I'm rambling because I'm sad and want them to win again. <laughs> Collingwood. Let's talk about Collingwood. Um, their defensive group were well organized and clearly uh, just like you said well drilled yeah so the thing and and this is another player I've mentioned every week Ruby Schleicher again showed what she can do and we, we've talked about um, Kate Sheila's confidence and why that's kind of we're seeing her play uh, a more attacking kind of brand of footy it feels like Ruby Schleicher has a bit more strength about her that's given her the confidence to take off and run through the corridor and it's creating so much forward drive for them and I I love watching Ruby Schleicher play it's a joy the other the other player is Ashling um, Sheridan who has consistently kicked goals from them this year the way she's kicking her goals uh, after Richmond was struggling to convert from 20 meters out set shots she's you know, just kicking them off one step from 40 metres out mm. on the boundary. You know, like she's doing stuff that other players can't do and she's really brought a spark to that forward line and their forward line is something that I'm still not convinced by because last week they should have won by a lot more um, mm. and even the week before they should have won by a lot more. They're a bit better this year, this week, kicking 7-6, but I want to see more from this forward line um, and I think she... Well, her and Sarah Rowe were probably the answers to that. Mm. I'm glad you mentioned Ashling because Loz has as well in the comments. Do you think Ash Barty would be a great addition to the Richmond side? I've never seen – she's just another cross-coder for you. I've never seen her play. I I can't tell you. She's yeah, We love a a cross-coder at Richmond. She (laughs) is a good cricketer. Um, And Michael's mentioned, how did I forget Seymour's – Mark celebration. You don't you see goal celebrations, you don't really see mark celebrations, but my word, it was so adorable. <laughs> to be honest, if I took a contested mark on Stacey Livingston, I'd celebrate that way too. Like who right? does that? That's better than kicking the goal. I mean I it would be nice that. if she kicked the goal, but still. That's if someone throws anything at me and I catch it, that's how I look. Because <laughs> I'm genuinely surprised I've caught it. So I totally understood her in that moment. It was so sweet, but then she flubbed the goal. I was like, God, dude. It was just like, concentrate for a little bit longer. <laughs> Keep the goal. 
Oh my God, it was delightful though. I would love to see um, that happen in AFLM, just them getting really excited about <laughs> Just the purity of it, yeah. Yeah, just like, oh, sugar, I just did that. I don't know if we're allowed to swear on this podcast. I swear all the time. I can't help okay. it. Go for it. <laughs> um, well, let's get your three, two, one. I will start because I had Davey three, uh, Mackenzie two and Livingston one. Yeah, so I had Ashlyn Sheridan for one because, again, I think that her just golden house in the forward line is beautiful. Um, two to Ellen McKenzie. If she doesn't get a Rising Star nomination, we ride in the streets. And then three to <laughs> Britt Benici, who had, I think, the second most touches for a Collingwood player um, ever. Oh, and, wow. you know, really? again, work rate. Yeah, she wow. had, third, I want to say, 31 touches. Um She's Lord just, above. and that's that's work rate, as we've said. Like going back to the Kiara Bowers conversation, it's work rate, and more players should be looking up to trying to get to that fitness level to be able to get from contest to contest. Another player that I didn't mention earlier that I should is Beck Beeson. Her work rate from contest to contest is huge as well. Rising star, a riot is catching off, catching on, <laughs> catching, catching off. off. How do you catch <laughs> off? I don't know. Um, but that's me and catching things. Um, a weird but wonderful round, round three. And we're not done yet. Brisbane play West Coast at Hickey Park, 4.14pm Queensland time, 5.15pm Daylight Savings time. And Trent Cooper, 2.15pm Australian Western Standard time. After <laughs> I got... Called out by him last week for not considering that the rest of the country are in a, di- in a different time zone. I will now always remember to acknowledge that. So we love you, Trent <laughs> You make us better. Make us better podcasters. <laughs> I, Any, I didn't get called out. You did. You didn't, no. But I feel like you have been at some point in the past. <laughs> We're being Eastern-centric, surely. No, not at all. I love oh. Frio. Well, good for you. <laughs> I'm a, a Frio member, believe it or not. I technically am too because we bought one um, as the Outer Sanctum bought a membership. Um, so I've got like one-tenth of a Frio membership. I should probably. I really, I had thought I would buy everybody's membership this year and I haven't bought anyone. So <laughs> maybe I should get I have, up to that. I have three, so... Who were that's you three? Enough. Freo, Melbourne, and Gold Coast. Oh. Yeah, that's a bit disappointing, isn't it? No, yeah, I think that's lovely. You you wrote that beautiful piece about Queensland football. Yeah, wow. Yeah, everyone go and read that. It was good. It was <laughs> if really I say good. so myself. <laughs> <laughs> you should. I'll say it. It was so good. And it, it's I mean, we joke about, you know, being Eastern centric, but football is very you know, Victorian and um, the people talking about footy are often so Victorian-centric that we do forget sometimes there's the rest of the country listening and watching and loving the game and we should be better. So kudos to you for carrying that load for a lot of us. (laughs) I just really like footy, so the more teams I can talk about, the better. Thanks, Loz. (laughs) Oh, Loz saying it was amazing work. It really was. It's still on the homepage of sirensport.com.au if anyone wants to go and read it. (laughs) You wanted to shout something else 
something else out today, didn't you, Gemma? Did I? It's up to you if you want to. Something about coffee? Coffee? No? Yes. Oh! <laughs> I completely <laughs> tried to be cryptic here, but I should have just done it for you. Gemma, <laughs> in Siren this week, let me do it properly. In Siren, in Siren, in the it's not, newsletter. It's, it's not going to be in the newsletter. It's just going to be on my Twitter. But in, uh, well, uh, what I was going to say was in the newsletter oh, yes. this week, Apologies. Casey Simons wrote beautifully about how much all of you at Siren love to do the work of reporting on women's sport, but the reality is that you are not paid to do it. And the payment that you do get goes back into producing the content and paying other women who you do commission to do work. And so while you do love it and you will continue to do it, it's a tough kick uh and you have thought of something for yourself that maybe if people are interested they can contribute to yeah this is the awkward thing asking for money isn't it um but you know i work three other jobs and i want to sleep sometimes um yeah <laughs> i'll put a i'll put a link in on my twitter and in the show notes if anyone wants to donate some money to me for the work that i'm doing because well, uh, it actually would uh, be really helpful <laughs> I will say, I mean, if you do have a spare buck or something, Gemma's content is incredible and we all lean on it. We do. We all look to Gemma um, for, we all look to you for our stats and for our info on AFLW. You are our go-to person. And so as much support as we can garner for you, the better, I think, because I need the stats. I need, to con- <laughs> I need my education to continue. Um, so if people want to find you, where can they find you on social media? Yeah, if you find me at GL Bastiani on Twitter, um, I'll, all of that is linked in the show notes as well. Um, if anyone wants to go and check out any of that stuff. But yeah, GL Bastiani on Twitter is where I pretty much live, to be honest. How about you, Runner? I am Rana Huss on Twitter and Rana B Hussein on Instagram. And we're also, if you like Gemma's uh, information and insights into the AFLW, you can catch her with Julia Montesano for a preview of the upcoming round, which usually drops on a Friday, though it totally depends on this ever-changing fixture. So keep an eye on Play On Radio's Twitter and Instagram and Gemma's Twitter and Instagram. Uh, But you can find that wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Just search Play On Preview. And a reminder that this audio will also be online for you as well as a podcast tomorrow, I think. Yeah, it'll be online. It'll be online as soon as I finish editing editing it tonight. So, yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's so nice to chat with you again. And I'm very happy for you and your days. Thank you. They play. Who do they play next week? Western Bulldogs in the Hampson Hardeman Cup. Hopefully we can go. Oh my goodness. My eyes are popping out of my head. That's going to be a great game. I can't wait to hear your preview. Um, thank yes. you everyone for joining us. Thank you for listening and play on. See you everyone. Bye.